All right, good morning. My name is uh, Derek, one of the pastors here, and this is our last week in this series, kind of. Um, Next week, we're getting into Hebrews, and there's kind of an overlap. You're not going to want to miss next week. Um, So a few years ago, we... uh, in the house we were living in, I started finding shingles all around outside our house. Maybe you've experienced that. You know, walk along, and in the bushes, there's a, a shingle, and then in the grass, there's a shingle. And of course, I stressed over it. I looked into, okay, how much would it cost to replace this roof? And it was a lot. Um, put it off, put it off, finally climbed up there. You know, kind of a couple men- months went by, and thinking about it, looked at the roof, went, oh, man, it's bad. Um, maybe we should sell the house. So, you know, how are we going to pay for this? <laughs> Uh, but really, you know, stressing over that. And then uh, some wise advisor said, you should call your insurance company. I'm like, well, it's 25 years old. Still, call your insurance. I called the insurance company. They said, well, when have you seen them coming off? And I, I said, well, in the past few months. And they typed in their computer like, oh, there's been some big windstorms. I know, it's Nevada. They're like, those would probably qualify. They send the adjuster out. The adjuster looks. He's like, yeah, you need a new roof. I know. <laughs> and they covered it. Awesome. Right, a great relief on us. Um, not only did we not have to shell out some money, we actually made some money because I did a lot of the work. So that was really great. Well, later on, uh, you know, other things happen like uh, Callie's ring, the diamond falls out. Um, maybe you've experienced that. Well, guess what? Insurance covered it. Uh, the floor went bad, faulty flooring. No big deal. Insurance covered it. We had one of those uh, glass stove tops, and somebody dropped a block of cheese on it. Uh, frozen cheese, right? Insurance covered it. There's a lot of peace when you know what your insurance covers, right? God's promises are similar to that kind of insurance policy. When you know what God's promises are, it's kind of like insurance. You, you know, life happens in these things. You know, no, I know what God has said. I know what he has promised. And so I can have more peace in this situation. I can have more joy in this situation. And so that's why, one of the big reasons why we've looked at God's promises, because it's something we can, we can lean on. We can bank on these. And there's really two kinds of promises. There's conditional and there's unconditional. And it's helpful sometimes as we're reading the Bible to see the difference. But there's unconditional promises like Jesus is returning. Right? There's nothing you or I can do to make that happen or not happen. He's coming back. He's going to set up his kingdom. But there's other things that are conditional, meaning there's a partnership happening between us and God. He says, if you do these things, I will do these things in response. Again, not salvation, right? He earned that for us. When we place our faith in him, we're saved, done, right? That's a guarantee. But then there's other promises that we participate with. Now, as we finish this, this series, What is the one topic you would guess Scripture says the most about regarding God's promises? You're not going to like it, maybe. Generosity. Generosity. In fact, Scripture talks more about money and generosity than any other topic. Crazy. Because there's something about our hearts that's linked to our our money, and so God has given us some really good instruction, and we're going to look at eight promises about generosity today. Now, just to, uh, to quell your fears, maybe if you're just visiting or you're new, there's not going to be some push to try and get you to give a bunch today. Like, we don't, we don't do that. In fact, one of the things that we're going to see as we talk about giving is when you give, it's supposed to be planned, right? Not under compulsion. So if anybody ever is like trying to guilt you into giving, the answer is just no. Um, I'm, I'm going to go pray about it and, and see what God would do. So that's not the goal. In fact, the goal is what we would say is, is discipleship and growth. If God talks about it so much, we are remiss if we don't. Um, So before we look at the promises, turn to 2 Corinthians 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab the one in front of you, or if every week you just wait for me to tell you the page number because life is easier that way, it's page 1070. Grab that. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We're kind of going to skip through these real quick so that we get God's instruction on generosity. Uh, before we look at the promises, we want to see what he has asked of us in this area. Um, so 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, again, it's page 1070. We're going to start with just the first five verses. And this is Paul writing to this church in Corinth. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So this grace that he's talking about, the context around, is their giving, their generosity. Um, and he's, he's writing to the Corinthians about the Philippian church, specifically saying, they're doing it really good, and they're an example to follow, and, and so he kind of uses that. So, verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. I just want to look at some of the principles, right? So he gives, a, he, he gives an example here of, of the Philippian church, right? Give this way, be like them. And what do we see? Uh, verse two, how did they give? Generously, right? That word is right there. They were generous givers. Verse three, what do we see in verse three? They were sacrificial givers. They gave beyond their means, right? They were, they were poor. They begged to give. They gave beyond their means. They, they, they begged. They asked. We want to participate in what God is doing. And they gave really more than it looks like they, they could afford to. Um, three, though, not under compulsion. Look, it says of their own accord. Nobody guilted them. Nobody twisted their arm, right? They gave of their own accord. Um, verse 5. This one is, is maybe the most important. They gave themselves first to the Lord, right? So here is something very important. It begins with our heart being given to God. We don't give to get, right? It's not a religious thing um, that we do in order to, to be right. None of that. It's an overflow of Christ in us. That's very important. Um, not just religious duty. Now, skip forward. Look at verse 8. Verse, he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. So what do we see there? Generosity is a proof of our love, right? It's a, it's a test. And I, and I talk to this, you know, with individuals, uh, you know, to test their faith. All right, how is your faith? It's good. Here's my, here's my first test. How's your generosity? That is a, one of the first tests of where we really stand. Uh, verse nine, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus is our example, right? That's the, the, we look at Jesus. He is the pattern of generosity. Verse 12, for if the readiness, oh, pages are sticking together, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So what do we see there? proportionately. Not everybody's going to give the same. And you don't go in debt to give. And I've actually heard of people doing that. Oh, this cause is so significant. I'm going to go into debt. To... No, 
We give according to what God has given us. Um, and then skip forward to chapter nine, might be the next page for you. Chapter nine, verse seven. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a joyful, a joyful giver. So right there we give joyfully, not under compulsion, and here's the part, planned. You see that? What he's decided in his heart. Again, it's not an emotional thing. It's a planned thing. We decide. We, we, if you're married, you interact with your spouse, you talk to God, and you make a decision based on this. So here's in your notes. All Jesus' followers are instructed to give generously, sacrificially, freely, joyfully, proportionately, consistently, and planned. There you go. And we see this throughout the Old Testament too. Uh, the Jewish people uh, under the Old Covenant were given similar instructions, but under the law, they were given more specific instructions of how much to give and those things. We don't have that anymore, right? We're not under the old law where we're told this is how much you give. It's not that. But we have these principles here of how to give. Now, here's, here's a point. You know, as I've been studying for this series and studying this one, I don't remember where this quote came from, but because I, you know, I study and I, I read and then I write all this stuff down and this one kept sticking out to me and it's this. If you're not a generous giver, it's because you do not know or you do not believe God's promises regarding money and generosity. It kept coming back to me because it's, it's true. If you're not a generous, either you don't know God's promises. Again, the insurance policy, we're not sure what it covers. You don't know. Or, be honest, you don't really believe that these things are true. So, we're gonna look at eight promises about giving. Now, we're going to be honest. Some of these we're going to call principles, meaning there's a difference between a promise and a, and a principle. The Bible's full of principles that don't always promise the same outcome, but if we live by them in general, these are the things that are going to happen, right, if, if that makes sense. So some of these are principles, some are promises, and it's important as we read God's word to understand the difference because I've wrestled with people, oh, God's promise, you know, this thing didn't happen. I'm like, ooh, that's not actually a promise. That is a principle. And we're gonna get into this a little bit more next week, which is gonna be very helpful. Um, but right now, just generosity, promises, and principles. Number one, good things will happen to me. Good things will happen to me. Psalm 112, five and nine. It says, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. So this is describing a righteous person, right? It says it is well with this person, right? They lend freely. By the way, now this is under the old covenant. This was written during that time. Um, and they were instructed, the Jews were instructed to lend to one another, but to not charge interest. So that was kind of one of their things, right? You could lend to a non-Jew and charge as much interest as you want. That was, right? But a fellow believer, it was, hey, you don't charge interest. No usury there. So this person here is, they're lending freely and they're also giving freely, right? They're very generous with their money. And it says it is well with them. This is definitely a principle, <laughs> okay? If this is one like, oh, I give and bad things still happen in my life, well, guess what? We're still human in this world. Things still happen, but this is a principle. Proverbs 22, nine. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Again, right there, will be blessed. That's God's favor, 
right? So God will favor us when we are generous with what he has given to us. Now, again, this idea of, of blessing in it as well, generosity is just a piece of a godly life. It's a, it's a very important piece, but it's not the whole piece. It's just one. We give ourselves first to God, as we've seen, and then this is a part of it. You know, as I was thinking of this, you know, and trying to think of examples, things will go well. Um, the one that came to mind was when Kai and I were first married, um, and just because of life and whatever it was, we were struggling. We didn't have a lot of money, and we had to do some things. Um, and a couple from the, the church we were part of, they gave us a card, just encouraging, and in it was 500 bucks. Very encouraging, right? And I mean, it was a big deal to us. For them, maybe it wasn't that big a deal, but for us, it was a huge deal. How do you think we prayed for them? Please bless them, right? I mean, we were praying for their benefit, so that kind of makes sense to me that when we're generous, in general, it will go well. Guess what? Other people might be praying that it will continue to go well for you. Um, two, promise number two. Now, we got eight of these, so you're gonna have to listen quick. Two, my kids will be a blessing. My kids will be a blessing. This is one that I didn't expect when I started studying. And I love it when that happens, right? When I start preparing, this isn't one that I plan to put in, but it's true. Psalm 37, 26. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. I'll be honest, as I was looking at principles, we're gonna call this a principle again, right? Uh, parents, you know there's not a formula you can do, 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 and your kids end up perfect. Um, I wish there was, but there's not. But this is a principle. And the reason I included this is my experience absolutely agrees with what God's word says, that this is true. Again, a principle. Because um, again, what is our, maybe one of our greatest proof of love, proof of faith? It's our, our generosity. Um, there's plenty of books out there, right, of kids, why kids are leaving the church. Um, and the percentages are pretty extreme with American evangelicalism. Kids that grow up in church uh, in their college years leave and, and many don't come back. Uh, and all these, you know, there's a lot of these studies. Why is this happening? What does it boil down to? And a lot of it really comes down to they left before, probably in their junior high years, right? They had already left mentally, emotionally, or they were wrestling with it. They didn't get the answers they needed then. And by the time they were gone, like, well, they were already gone. And the one biggest reason is the faith in their parents wasn't authentic or wasn't genuine. The way their parents dealt with their faith, they would come to church and there's this, and then at home, they were different. I think this idea of generosity is huge because guess what? Your kids aren't dumb, are you kids? <laughs> kids aren't dumb. They see how their parents live and they see where their parents value, right? They see if we're not generous, but yet we like to go buy this $25,000 boat. I mean, that's just one simple, kids see these things. Uh, I'm extremely blessed uh, because when I was a kid, my parents showed us this. You know, I watched my parents, uh, they were, he was a business owner, um, and I watched them, he was a contractor, a truck or a vehicle uh, would, would have its life usefulness in the business go through. He would take that truck, go get it fixed, and then give it to, to one of his employees in need. Um, I watched over, and I got to see these things. This was the cool thing about my parents is I watched this stuff happen, right? They weren't doing it in closed doors. I mean, they weren't blasting it to the world, but for us kids, we got, we got to see this. Um, and they don't live here, so I can say all this. Um, <laughs> you know, there was... Uh, Friends, uh, employees, where a kid needed medical procedures, my parents would, would pay for those things. Um, not to mention how much they gave at, at church and served in that. We watched this, right? And so it was really ingrained in us the faithfulness, 
right, of what God has given us to be giving back. And so what's this promise? My kids will be a blessing. Absolutely true. And I think a big reason why is the kids see that their parents' faith is genuine and real, and, and they continue with that. So there it is. Number three, promise three, my work or business will be blessed. Now, here's where we start getting in, into a little bit of danger, because I would say the, the worst thing in the American church right now is prosperity gospel. And it would tell you, give, 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 and God's going to make everything good for you. You will get rich. You will stay healthy, right? All those things. That's not what the Bible promises, right? But this is a principle. Again, my work or business will be blessed. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine, right? So that Proverbs, again, let's, as we're trying to learn how to read the Bible, that is before Christ came. So they are living under the, the Mosaic law. They had certain promises under the Mosaic covenant that was, if you basically follow the law well, it will go well for you, right? They had promises tied to their land. And so God said, if you disobey, right, you, you abandon the, the Sabbath, you don't give these things, I'm going to withhold the rain. So they, they had prosperity tied with their land, tied with those promises. We don't have that, right? America is not Israel. Those promises to them are not the promises to us. But this is a principle that continues, and it's a principle that is true. And a big part of this principle is what we would call first fruits, giving first, first Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put up something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. This is Paul, again, to the same church. He's saying, plan what you're going to give. Give for the first day of the week. It's the same principle. This is why this is one that we can lean on. And look, no, this is a principle in the Old Testament, repeated in the New Testament after Jesus. He says, plan what you're going to do. Store it up. The first day of the week, give first. Give first, right? Again, proportionately, you see that here. Um, everybody gives a different amount. If you remember Jesus when he was in the temple, the rich man comes in, clanging a gun, you know, look at how much I'm giving. Uh, a, a poor widow comes and basically has just one penny and gives, and Jesus says, stop, look, she gave way more than that guy. So it's not about a, amount, right? It's proportionate, and it's our heart with him. And again, I have seen this principle true. My work or business will be blessed. Here's something important. Uh, the people that give last rarely give. It's just true. Um, and Callie and I experienced this. We were blessed uh, when we were married. Again, she has great parents, great example. I had great parents. When we got married, I mean, it was just a commitment. We're going to give. We're going to give first. Um, and so for us, that was kind of ingrained. And I've shared this story before, but uh, when we... Again, we're first married. We'd write checks. Remember those days? Um, and we'd write the check, and we'd put it in her purse. Big mistake. And we'd go to church, and we'd forget it was in there. And then the next week, we would do the same thing, because we would give first, put it in the purse, forget to give it. Almost every week, when, when we realized that happened, and I remember one week where she pulled out like four checks. She's like, we keep forgetting. And then we look at the bank account, and the money's not in there. Like, we had to tear them up. But whenever we actually gave it, we were never in want. It was a weird thing how that worked. But giving first, and I've had plenty of conversations on, on generosity with people. They say, I can't afford to give. I said, you can't afford to give because you don't give first. You give last. I remember, um, again, 
I, I give a lot of credit to our parents. Um, but in, in 2008, if you remember that time when things went, um, we experienced that, you know, a lot of struggling, not a whole lot of work. Um, and we had conversations then. And it's funny, while I was preparing this, I'm like, ooh, I better go ask Callie. Callie, do you remember this time period the same as me? And she did exactly the same. Um, but one of the things for us, again, was everything comes from God. We see the promises, so we're going to stick with them. It was, it was a really hard time. One of the things I remember most is um, grocery bills, cheese. We didn't, cheese was like a delicacy. And I remember like we got a block of cheese once because things were so bad and like cut off a little piece, like, oh, that is so good, right? I used to cut big blocks off like a little sliver and make this block of cheese last longer. But we would still give first. And I remember giving, right? And, and going, that's a lot of cheese right there. <laughs> you, you know, I know that sounds kind of weird. I was telling Paul this week, he's like, you have to say it just that way. That's a lot of cheddar. Um, but I do, I actually remember that happening that if we didn't, uh, you know, if we don't give this, we're going to eat better. No, our commitment, we understand these, and we gave. And, and guess what? God blessed us, you know, later. <laughs> I mean, not right then, but, what, you know, business took off. Business got, got good. We were able to even pay off our house. Like, good things happened, and then he called me into ministry. Um, but I've seen, and not just in my life, I've seen this in other people's lives over and over and over, that when people decide, often it's a couple early on in marriage, and they decide, no, we're actually going to start doing this. They're, they get blessings from it. And again, this isn't trying to manipulate God. Hear me say that. This isn't some manipulation. But certain other things seem to work out. Uh, Deuteronomy 15.10. You shall give to the poor freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God has blessed you in all your works and in all that you undertake. Right? So this idea of him giving to us and us being generous, and he will bless us. Four, promise four. You guys need to hurry up. All right. <laughs> promise four. I will be happier. I will be happier. Weird. And I'm going to call this one a promise. Because I have seen it, not only does the Bible tell us this, I've seen this over and over and over. Because there's something that happens in our heart when we are generous that God does in our heart. Uh, Acts 20, 35. In all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed. That word blessed literally means happy. It really does. So it is more blessed, more happy to give than to receive. Remember being a kid at Christmas? It was more happy to receive. Let's just be honest. But as we grew, as we matured, something happened in there where we were more happy to give, right? I got more joy out of seeing somebody else's response, what we give to them, rather than what we received. This is true, blessed, happy. Five, good job on that one. That was quicker. All right, promise five. I will flourish. Oh, man, this is so sticky. <laughs> I'll be, like, as I'm preparing this one, like, these are sticky. But this is what the Bible teaches. This is a principle that is true, but we have to be so careful, right, that we're not trying to manipulate God, right? We're not given. and I remember I was in a car as a teenager. Uh, it was actually work. And this guy was saying, oh, yeah, I give so that God gives more to me, right? Later, I want to be able to retire, so I give. So I'm like, oh, I, I think you're missing the point. Um, and I think I was right as a teenager that he was missing the point. But yet, we do have these things where God says, right, that we will flourish. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. 28. 
Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous flourish like a green leaf. I really like this verse because I think it goes to the heart. Whoever trusts in riches, right? If we place our faith, our trust in in wealth, in money, in stuff, it will fail you. It, It will. But if we put our faith, our trust in God, it never will fail. And part of the evidence that our trust, our faith is not in money is our generosity, and right here, the promise is that we will flourish. I, I, really, I like that word flourish. It means to bloom or to blossom. I mean, this was a great year with all the rain of things that blossomed. You know, if you have apple trees, you've got apples this year. Um, but things blossom, things have bloomed. This word also can be used like to fly, to soar. It's kind of cool, right? But it's that things go well. We will flourish. Proverbs eleven twenty four: One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Again, danger. (laughs) Prosperity gospel. But here, when our faith is in God and it carries out, right, we will flourish. We will thrive. I would call this what we call the abundant life. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It's one of peace, of joy, of contentment because he's the one in control. Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, I'll be completely honest. You know, since being a pastor, these are, these are ones I struggled to teach because of the abuse and the twisting. But this principle is true. And here's the picture. It's somebody that goes to the market, right? And they're gonna get some grain. And they're put it in a, well, okay, we're going to put it in, but we're going to shove it down, right? And then we're going to fill it again, shake it, so all that, right? Put it down, I mean, giving a bunch. You want to get what you're, you paid for. Well, that's what he's saying here, right? That, that's how God is going to give back. Again, be careful, <laughs> and I feel like I can't say it enough. This is not prosperity gospel, but there is a principle. Again, if you love money, you trust riches, they will fail, but God will not. 2 Corinthians 9.11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. This helps bring it together, as as I understand God's word. God will give to us. We are to be generous. The generous person, he'll say, I'm going to give this person more so they can be more generous. Again, this is a principle that is true. And within this is, I think, an important part. A person cannot be godly without being generous. This isn't one of those things where, ooh, this one doesn't apply to me. I'm gonna do these other things, but generosity, this applies to, this doesn't apply to me. In 2 Peter 1.4, Peter writes this. It says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Here's what I want you to see here. What is God's plan for us? That we share in his divine nature. Part of the process that God is doing in our lives we call sanctification is making us like Christ. We're becoming more like him. We could call this godliness, right? Becoming more like him. And guess what? God is a generous giver. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is a generous giver. All right. Number six, promise six. 
All my needs will be met. Guess what? This is a promise. This is more than a principle, and I believe this is true. All my needs will be met. Philippians 4, 18 and 19. Paul is in prison, right? Uh, this, this church had sent him a, a gift to take care of his needs. He writes back. He says, having received the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God will supply our needs. This was huge for me in that same time period in, in 2008, right, when, when I wanted more cheese. I remember this promise. I clung to this promise. And it wasn't that I was going to get to keep the house. That was never promised, right? It, it wasn't that I'm going to get to eat more cheese. It wasn't that. And I remember at one point walking, and I've shared this before. You're probably sick of hearing it. I remember walking in the drive. I remember right where I was. And God kind of lifted up a mirror. He's like, why are you worried? Why are you stressed? Do you not know what I've promised? I mean, it was kind of one of those surreal. He's like, and I, didn't, I don't promise you'll keep this house. I don't promise you steak. But I do promise you will have shelter. It might be a tree over there that has really good leaf, yeah, right? Um, I, I promise you'll be clothed. There might be hand-me-downs. There might be torn, but you'll be clothed, and you will eat. These are the promises we have. That's a really big deal. We can cling to these promises. Jesus in Matthew 7 refers to generosity as the contrary to worry, right? Don't, don't worry. We're worried about all these things. Instead, be generous, right? Give, put God first, and he says, I will take care of those things. Right? I'll take care of your needs. And he points to a flower. Look, the flower's clothed. I'll clothe you. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but that's his point. He looks at the bird. That bird isn't hungry. Why would, why would you think you'll go hungry? I will take care of your needs. But this is important. God will meet my needs, not necessarily my greeds. He will meet my needs, not necessarily my greeds. And for us, we have to kind of maybe get over that a little bit. Find contentment in him alone. All right, promise seven. God will multiply the gift. God will multiply the gift. I really like this one because here's the idea. As we are generous, God uses that for his glory, for his purposes. Remember Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, what did he feed them with? A couple loaves of bread, a few fish, right? Turn that into something great to, fit, to feed 5,000. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, right? That's the idea. Uh, great example would be a, a sunflower. We have a lot of sunflowers growing, right? And they have all these seeds. And so now I have to fight the squirrels because they're stealing them all. Um, and then chewing other stuff up. But right, you have one sunflower. It's one seed you put in the ground. Boom, you get this sunflower. The mammoth ones, they're great. They're, their heads are like this big, full of hundreds and hundreds of seeds. So that's the idea, right? If you eat all those seeds, you're not gonna have much more. Instead, if you plant more out, you're gonna get more. I mean, that's kind of how it works. But the point here is that God multiplies it. God uses it for his glory. Giving is not a debt I owe, but a seed I sow. And I'm rhyming a lot today. I like it. 
right? But, but giving is not a debt I, do, I owe, but a seed I sow. God will use it. Uh, here's what came to mind for me. Um, you know, years ago when we were meeting in the other building and we were wrestling with space, what are we going to do? Um, rent here is going to be that. We never wanted to own a building because a lot of times church can become about the building. Anyway, kind of landed on it's better stewardship for us to own something, right? Our mortgage is going to be way less. We brought that to, to the body. We said, we think God is leading us to buy. Um, and boom, God, you know, through little gifts of some, it, right, that maybe we felt, I'm not, I mean, I know we felt like what we're giving is pretty insignificant compared to the scheme. Well, in the end, I don't know what it was, $600,000 cash God provided, right, that we could put down on this building. And now, what's been, come Wednesday, and see what, what Dave and our youth leaders are doing with, with these kids. Wednesday is a great night. Like, things are happening because of this. I think that's a good example. Like, giving a little to make that happen. And now, I mean, kids back there, what's happening with them, right? I mean, God is using this for his glory. A little bit, God will use for great things. We get to partner with what he's doing. All right, last one. Good job, y'all. Number eight. Number eight, God stores it up. God stores it up. First Timothy 6 18 and 19. It says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What do we see here? Storing up, right? The treasure. We have an eternal bank account. Like someday Jesus is going to come back. We're going to get new bodies. He's going to set up a reign and rule. We're going to be in his presence on this new heaven, new earth. It's going to be awesome. But guess what? I think there's going to be different roles we play. There are rewards then. We don't know exactly what they are. But here he kind of refers to it as an eternal bank account, right? That he is storing it up later. We can't take our money with us, but we can send it ahead. Or what is in your notes, you can't take wealth with you, but you can send it forward. Everything we give, everything we are generous with for his glory, he... he doesn't go unnoticed, right? He puts that up. As we wrap this up, here's what I wanted to say. Money is dangerous. And talking about money is dangerous. And the American church has a horrible history when it comes to, to money and abuse and all those things. But yet, Scripture talks about generosity and wealth more than any other topic because our heart is tied to our wallet. It is. It's kind of a string, right? Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also is what Jesus tells us. And so this is very important, right? We need to know God's promises. When we know what he has promised, we will then, again, it's like that, that insurance. We know what it covers. We are then free to be generous. He's gonna give to me. I can give to him first because he owns it all anyway. We participate in God's work and we bring him glory. So as, as you leave, my goal is not that you feel Guilty if, if you're not giving the way it says. That's not the point. But rather, encourage. And so here's some next steps. Um, we try and do these each week. And they're on your bulletin or, or they're on the app. Uh, but next steps, like what might God be leading you to do? Uh, and here's one, maybe get this little book. It's an easy read, The Treasure Principle. We have some out there. Um, just to learn more about what does God say about his promises and about generosity. Or number one here is create a personal budget so I know where my money is going. That's huge. Um, I have an app that works really well, like to track. That's a huge step. I don't even know where my money's going. I've had these meetings. I don't know where my money's going. Well, you need, to, like, you need to get control. So create a budget. That's pretty easy. Consider your own generosity compared to God's principles and promises. And then answer this very personal question. What does that reveal about my true belief? 
What does it reveal about what I truly believe? And then the third one here would be begin a habit of giving consistently. Begin a habit of giving consistently. If you, you hear this, you're like, I do believe it. Okay, but again, it's, it's planned, right? It's together with your spouse. It's not under compulsion. It's not under guilt, right? We believe that God's work done God's way never lacks God's provision. That's why at least we as a church, we're never gonna be pushing on you. Hey, you have to give more, you have to give. No, because God provides and God is doing great things. But for you, it's a chance for you to check your heart. Let's pray. God, uh, there really is probably no more personal topic than money, um, than, than generosity, than finances. But God, you, you talk about it a lot in Scripture. Jesus, you, you pulled no punches when you talked about it. Um, so God, I thank you for these, these promises and principles. And although it can be sticky, um, and, and we're trying to be really careful not to push a prosperity gospel at all, um, but yet we do see these promises that, that you do promise to take care of us. Um, as we find contentment in you alone, uh, God, we will be happier. Uh, we will have more peace, more joy because of you and who you are and what you create in us. So God, I, I do ask, um, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. Um, God, if it's just to encourage us, let that be. Um, maybe there's some conviction. God, I don't ask for, for shame um, or, or for a feeling of guilt on anybody, but maybe one of, you know what? I wanna be faithful. And God, that you would lead us your direction for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we move to worship, uh, I'm going to be back here in the back. If there's anything you, you want prayer for, uh, maybe you're new and you're learning about this Jesus thing, what does it mean to follow Jesus, to say yes to him? I would love to talk with you or pray with you.